So you're listening to this on your iPhone or maybe your laptop. So you know your way around technology, which probably means that you do a little or indeed a lot of online shopping. So what does that mean for traditional shops? How are those businesses innovating to survive? I'm Jonathan Healy and this week on Red Business, we go to town. Red Business Podcast with CompuB, building your business with premium Apple solutions. CompuB.com. And this week on Red Business, we're going to talk about what it's like to have a business in the city centre. There are old businesses and there are new businesses, and we have representatives of both with us here today. We have Catherine Lockheed, who is with Perfume Bar. I'm not even going to try and say it because you're going to tell me how to say it right, Catherine. Is it it's called Identic. Identic. Okay, I would not have got that right. <laughs> no, it's lots of people call it Identic, but it doesn't really matter. No, that doesn't work either. So Identic, Identic is your perfume bar, and we'll talk about that in just a minute. And Tom Murphy, uh, a name that is synonymous with your shop, even though it wasn't always uh, your shop, it was generations beforehand of Tom Murphy's menswear. Tom, how are you? Uh, not too bad, Jonathan. Now, let's talk first of all about you, Catherine, because Tom comes from a long line of Murphy's who sell clothes to Cork's finest, but uh, you were in a very different sphere for quite a long time. I was out for about 33 years. I worked in the city uh, with the media organisation. Are you allowed to mention that? Am I? Yeah. Uh, with the Irish Examiner for okay. 33 years in many different roles, of which I really enjoyed. Um, but definitely I was looking for a change. And on whilst on holiday in Portugal, in northern Portugal, I came across this bar. I actually was attracted to it because I thought it was a wine bar initially. But having a closer look, it's actually a, a bar that sells perfume, a different concept. It's called Identic Perfume Bar Concept. It's a Portuguese franchise. Uh, its headquarters are in Braga in northern Portugal. You see quite a lot of these stores in Portugal. Um, there are about 50 odd of them and they're now expanding to different countries. Now, forgive me because, first of all, I'm not known to frequent perfume shops. <laughs> this may come as a surprise to you, but what exactly is a perfume shop? I know there's one in Mahan Point that sells a lot of perfumes yes. and you can't move in an airport without the stench hitting you. Yours is different. It is, in that when you see it was Mahan Point, you see the airports, what you're getting are all different brands, which cost quite a lot of money. Um, with the Identic Perfume Bar concept, uh, you dispense with, we'll say, the costs of the fancy packaging, brand names, and you bring it back down to a generic bottle, one type of bottle with a set price. And instead of throwing away your bottle afterwards, you can actually come back in and refill your bottle at a cheaper rate. The perfumes would be very similar, are inspired by the notes of the big brand scents. But when you strip away all those expensive costs, you're able to sell it at a considerably cheaper price. So it's, it's kind of a generic type of perfume. Correct. Is that what it yeah, is? Yeah, it is. It's like, I explained when you're saying, it's like doing tablets, generic brands. The smells are quite similar. There may be one note different, but you and I wouldn't pick up on that. But essentially, what you're doing is you're getting a scent that's really feel similar to the big brands at a way cheaper price. So when somebody comes in and says, I would like this perfume, um, do you call it something else? Like, is it as opposed to the other one that we might know? Uh, We would say, if somebody comes in uh, to help us know what direction to go in, we'd say, what's your favourite scent? From that, they would give us a brand name. From my training, I know what's in my shop, so I can identify by the notes and say, try this. There would be similar notes. Are, are you like Harry Potter behind the scenes mixing potions here? I can do sometimes, yeah, because sometimes people you can actually make a cocktail. You can come up with your own scent. But we'll say 99% of people who come into my shop 
want something similar to the big brands. Tom Murphy, I don't know about you, but I'm learning an awful lot here. Were you familiar with this particular concept? Uh, no, it's news to me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But now you're a little more educated. You know a bit more. Tell me about, I, uh, we'll ask the obvious question, your involvement. When did you start working in uh, the shop? I started myself, I'd say it was 12, 44 now. I'd say it was about 20, 20 years ago, to be exact. Um, so you got to, you got four years where you didn't have to do it? Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I I was away in America. I think I was coming back to do my master's thesis um, in arts and sociology, I think, up in UCC. But I started working in the business. Now, I had been there for long, many years, or part-time over the summer, um, and I'd tried it out. But it, it was only about 20 years ago I decided I wanted to stay in it. Now, your shop is a very traditional shop insofar as it's probably one of the original buildings on Patrick Street. Was it destroyed in the fire? Or? No, as far as I know, or well, I, I know for definite, our building wasn't destroyed in the fire. Um, it was more the other end of Patrick Street. Whether you, I, I don't know, is it called the upper or lower end of Patrick Street? But it was down by Brown Thomas and Debenhams that was destroyed in that fire. Was it 1922? 1922, yeah. Yeah, but our end wasn't. Now, my son is actually doing a project at, at the moment on the burning of Cork. And he got information that our half of the, the, the street was left alone because there was more, it was seen as a Protestant area. Now, I don't know if this is actual fact. I'm sure local historian would verify that. But there was definitely Protestant families lived in our building um, before it became a shop. So, it, now, that might be just coincidence. But, but still, it's, it meant that the building survived. And what I love about the building is when you go up, it does have that old building feel that you've got the narrow stairs. That's right. And you have the little cubby holes when you go upstairs. Where, where you used and to old the, fireplaces as well. That's right. And, and the dress higher used to be up kind of towards the top of the that's shop. Right. And that used to be a real kind of a trek to get up there. That's right, yeah. It's, it is an old building with lots of character and lots of crevices and corners. In fact, there was, there was a lot of work being done there recently. Uh, because the new building that was going up next door, the Capital Cinema Development, um, while they were building, I think they knocked one or two walls. We we thought we thought there was walls coming tumbling down, but they were only there were little partition walls that were hidden in crevices and corners, and when the lads next door were burying in with their diggers or whatever. There was a few um, non-structural walls, let's say, came down. They so. were poking through. Yeah, you know, that's right. Like hands through the channel yeah, tunnel, you were yeah. meeting them. But how much has the business changed? So you've been there, what, 24 years, or 20, 20 years at this stage. How has the business changed for you in that time? Um, I suppose the, in terms of who, who's coming in, it's probably similar. I, there's definitely a younger market coming through the doors now. Um, and look, I suppose it's obvious when myself and my brother, who's a few years younger than me, when we're there, we're bound to attract a, a younger profile of customer as well as my father's customers because my father still works there. Um, so we have a we have a good cross section of uh, customers coming in the door. Um, but at the moment it's Deb season, so we have a lot of young guys, sixteen, well, seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Um, who are inspired by the, the Conor McGregor look, let's say. Um, so there's a lot of them coming through the door at the moment. And, you know, we, we, we do the press school uniform. So again, we'd have a younger customer. It's, it's a funny sort of business in the sense that there's a massive cross-section of... And, and the Conor McGregor look now, I, I'd hate to think of a 16-year-old taking on the financial responsibility of buying an awful suit, but do, yeah. do, do you rent them to them or how does it work? No, I know, no. Nowadays, it's, it, we, I mean, as you know, I'm, I'm sure we did your own wedding since Jonathan back in the day, as far as I remember. You did. Um, we won't say what day, but... Um, <laughs> 13 long, <laughs> painful years ago. Yeah, but back in those days, they used to rent the suits, but nowadays a lot of, a lot of people are, are buying suits rather than renting them. And I suppose one of the reasons is maybe its society has changed a little bit. Irish society, we, we tend to be willing to spend a bit more on, on the bigger occasions. 
um, parents are probably willing to, to break the bank or whatever, break their wallet so that the, the kids can have the, the perfect They have what look. they want for Yeah, yeah, for we're, a little, we're a little bit more, what's the word, um, um, frivolous in our spending, I suppose. Which is a good thing when you're running a business because that yeah. means there's more money through your door. Um, but the, the taste, we call, we'll talk to Catherine a minute about taste in a second, but taste, you said, you've hinted there, the McGregor style of things. And, you know, you, you go through fluxes. I mean, your dad would have remembered the 70s when, you know, the flares were in and mm-hmm. the frilly shirts and all that kind of thing. Do you just have to keep moving with the times and whatever comes through the door you have to cater for? Absolutely. Um, I suppose you're constantly trying to innovate and, you know, come up with new brands, new looks yourself. But I suppose you, you get your own inspiration from going to the shows. We travel to Italy or Germany to shows a couple of times a year. I probably don't go as much as I used to, but... You get the ideas from there, you bring the ideas back and you, you you present your look. As you know, we're in a prime location, so I suppose the customers come to us. Sometimes we don't ha- we don't have to chase them as hard as some businesses maybe, uh-huh. um, being in a prime location. Well, let's go to you, Catherine, because you're just off Oliver Plunkett Street, isn't it? Just uh, in Princess Street, across from where Clancy's used to where be. Where Clancy's used to be. Yeah. And and why did you choose there? Was it big proximity because you're in the city centre, more footfall? Well, I suppose having worked in the city centre for all the years, for me, all all my life, the main shopping thoroughfare would be Oliver Plunkett Street, Patrick Street and the side streets off it. Um, and I suppose it came down to Bob's, to money and rent would have been a huge consideration for me or the size of the unit. And I came across that unit, which had been vacant for quite a number of years, about 18 years, in fact. And it just was the right size for me. I didn't need something huge. And uh, for, I would certainly... I suppose for footfall, if I was on Oliver Plunkett Street, it certainly would have more footfall, but I just couldn't afford the rent mm. to be honest But you're there. still, you're getting a relatively good amount of people passing your door there still, aren't you? Oh, oh absolutely. Anybody coming, we say, from the south side, coming over Parliament Bridge, the first street they hit is Princess Street, so yeah. entr- entering the city. I want to talk about town, as we we call it in Cork, right? When Mahon Point opened, there was the, uh, as I described them, a procession of money holes who came out and said, Mahan Point is going to kill town. Oh, it's going to kill town. No one's ever going to come to town again. And guess what? Town is still there now. Do we tend to undersell the attraction of the city centre as a place to go, as a destination for shopping? Well, I would certainly think so. In that, um, I would say I'm only in in business two and a half years in the street. And even within those two and a half years, the footfall has certainly fallen since then. Has it fallen? Absolutely, Yeah. And even if you go back to, we'll say a few a few months ago there when you had the the bus strike for, for was it three weeks? I mean that was catastrophic in that takings. I would imagine it, according to the CBA anyway would have been down about at least forty percent for most traders. Did you see that as well, Tom? Yeah, Catherine is dead right. Yeah, the bus strike was was catastrophic mm-hmm. as the word I use. Lately, there's been another issue. They're be- digging up the streets. Um, Patrick uh, Street, well, yeah, a lot of digging, work going on. Yeah, there. that's had a, f- have you noticed that? It's a phenomenal effect, v- very detrimental. Now, it's picking up a bit again in the last couple of weeks, but mm-hmm. but for a few months there, it's it's been terrible, the um, the, the, the loss of business. Uh, footfall has been way down, definitely. And, of course, we have to mention the elephant of the room, which are the rates, which presumably are, they went up, didn't they, in the last there, 12 months? Uh, there has been a slight increase, isn't it? Yeah, Am I there has. Am yeah. yeah. But again, yeah. that's 2 3% off your bottom line. It is. But um, more than that, for me, it's actually when people can't get parking, that's the biggest issue for me, in that anybody comes to town, the nearest car park that you can park in the centre of town to Princess Street or Prong Street would be the Grand Parade car park. 
if you spend an hour in there, it's three euros, 20 or something for an hour. Correct. I could be wrong, but it's certainly three euros plus. It's in that ballpark. Yeah. Anyway. So if you spend an hour and 10 minutes there, you're gone out to the second hour. So your park is going to be six something. You might have just wanted to come in to get a cup of coffee. That's the price of your coffee and your scone gone already. Mm. So you're not going to hang around. Yeah, but the parking company has to make the money as well. Yeah, but you're, what we rely on is people walking around the town, certainly for my product. It's not something that you're going to go in and just pick up off the shelf because it's not one of these branded bottles. It's about the experience coming in, smelling the scent. That takes a while. You're not going to have people, they're not going to afford that time because they're now looking at their watches to say, mm. let's get back to the car. Those issues aside, lads, mm. um, is the city centre in rare shape at the moment? And so far as we have all this expansion going on, that the capital has now reopened, Tom, your neighbour's up there at the top of, of Patrick Street, uh, that we've seen developments like one Albert Key, there's going to be more Callaghan properties, that mm-hmm. new one in Navigation Square. The city centre has a bit of a buzz about it that it hasn't had for quite some time. And, you know, while we have to work together to fix those issues, we can't forget the positives that are there as well. Tom? Yeah, um, there has definitely be, uh, been an improvement to the landscape of the city mm-hmm. centre up around our end. For the last number of years, there's been a lot of vacant buildings. Um, the, the old bank um, wasn't being used. There was a lot of pop-up shops coming in. They were selling kind of, you know, Halloween costumes and stuff. They, they, they weren't shops that you would expect on the high, high street or whatever. Um, but it, 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 besides those, there was a lot of derelict um, or vacant units. Now, a lot of that has been tidied up on Patrick Street, mm-hmm. particularly with the new development. Definitely, I've seen a big improvement uh, in that in the last year or whatever. Now, it took a long time to get there because there was a lot of upheaval and stuff on the street. The parking, all mm-hmm. our customers, mm-hmm. that's the big issue. And parking, it is stopping people coming in. Parking, the parking, center. parking. That's mm-hmm. the one message. I yeah. think you're not alone in saying that. So just for the teenagers who might be listening to this, You'll get the suit that'll make you look better than McGregor and you'll be able to get a perfume that'll make your date on the night smell superb. Is that probably the best description? What's the big scent? Go on, what's your biggest seller? Uh, for the young lads, I would say our scent, which is called Gold Man. Gold, Gold Man. Man um, would be inspired by the notes of uh, One Million by Paco Rabanne. Anybody who likes that would definitely choose Gold Man. Yeah. And for the ladies, the biggest seller would be uh, a scent that we call A Beautiful Life. It's a, a floral uh, scent with patchouli in it and it would be similar to the scent of Longcombe La Vie Belle. Oh, it's all very lyrical in there, isn't it? I'm sure. Well, you, you'll get kitted out in both venues, I can guarantee you of that. Catherine Lockheed of Wydentic? Identic. It, damn it. Identic perfume bar. Nearly got it right. Tom Murphy of Tom Murphy's Windsor. Much easier to say that. Uh, thank you very much for joining us. Thank you, Jonathan. Thank you, Jonathan. Thanks. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB Business, improving productivity with the latest Apple technology. CompuB.com. And now on Red Business, we are in the luxurious surroundings of Nash 19 and with the owner, Claire Nash. Claire, how are you? I'm very good, Jonathan. Good afternoon. It's unusual to see you sitting down because you're normally running around making sure everyone is looked after or you're in the middle of cooking something. Is it, we're here in mid-afternoon to tell listeners what time this is recorded. Is this, is this Claire's downtime, the relaxation period? Yeah, probably, Jonathan. Nash Antine kicks off at about 6.45. Um, we start everything from scratch. I was in this morning very early. Monday's a day that you just have to crank it all up again. Um, and then we cook for the day until about 1 or 2 o'clock. And as you say, it's all about now just getting the orders in for tomorrow. We're relaxing now. The restaurant's still quite buzzy. There's a lot of tourists around, which is lovely to see. A lot of people on holidays. And um, city centre is buzzing. It is good around town at the moment. You see that just the sheer volume of people walking around. And 
the city has a bit of a buzz to it, which was lacking for a long time. But you've seen this before, haven't you? Because this is this isn't your first rodeo. Let's put it that way. No, no, absolutely I'm not. I'm trying to be as diplomatic here because there's <laughs> potential for disaster, Claire. <laughs> Jonathan, um, we started 25 years ago, and. Um, we celebrated 25 years in February. I was thinking, oh my God, Almighty, how are we doing this for so long? But you know what it is? It's the cycles, as you say. Um, we started at the end of a recession. We went into a boom. We went into a deep recession. We have had in the city centre, as you know, many a flood. Um, we won't talk about that now on a nice sunny day. But there is always some adversity going to be coming down the, down the tracks to you. And I think that is the essence of survival, that you're always aware, make hay while the sun shines, but just to be aware that there could be and will be something else coming at you. So let's go back 25 years to 10-year-old Claire when she opened this particular restaurant. What was your ambition at the time? Did you, did you think that far ahead? Did you think it was going to last even that long? I probably did because at that age, you know, you have huge ambition and, you know, you don't see obstacles. And I just opened. I didn't see any, anything that would get in my way, really. I had come back from the States, from Atlanta, Georgia. I didn't really particularly want to work for anyone again. Um, I'd seen a lot of management by crisis in the, in the hotel industry that I had been in. Then I was in the country club business over there. And I came back and I thought, well, if I could do straight days, if I could have a team around me that I could offer, you know, the 40-hour week to, rather than having split shifts and all those crazy hours of late nights, that I'd crack on with it. Um, we do open now as, as, as National 19 has evolved. We have had three separate um, extensions, let's say, and we're sitting in here in the gallery at the moment, which... Um, we have three very nice artists from the Crawford exhibiting, Access and Attitude is the name of it. So we've become lots of different things to the city. I think when you trade in the city, Jonathan, you have to be aware that you're not really um, a niche destination restaurant or a niche destination um, offering. You know, you are part of a group. So we have a lovely compliment to each other up, 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 up and down the streets, like with Prince Street, Cook Street, um, Margaret Street, the... Um, the essence of the streets around us are owner-operators. And, and was it always thus, Claire? I mean, you, you've seen the city change quite a lot in your 25 years here. Yeah. Um, and you've seen a lot of shutters come down on businesses that uh, probably were uh, old businesses in their own right. Yeah, I mean, recently we've got a bit of a rattling now again at the end of, um, you know, we kind of survived the recession. We were well pleased, a lot of us. Um, there would have been second generation, or like myself, you know, heading into your second or third decade. Um, unfortunately, a couple of us have put the shutters down, but that is probably innovation has to come in, you know, at some stage. The younger businesses, I heard to discuss this morning, that the younger businesses and younger entrepreneurs are forecasting expansion, forecasting taking on staff, etc. But, um, you know, it is, like call a spade a spade, it is difficult to keep the place young, to keep the place rejuvenated. You have to move in food, you have to move in trends, you have to move with people's diet requirements, and it's not just all about um, obesity and all about fat and thin, it's actually about what people want to eat and what people you know, are actually demanding. But you have to be careful as well, because I'd like to get your thoughts on the 863 donut shops that have opened in Cork in recent times. All young entrepreneurs doing really well, yeah. with a bit of excitement and a bit of a thrill about opening a business, yet surely they can't all sustain. 
I know, and actually there's there's um, one of our colleagues that was on the long table din dinner with us, or long table dinner, um, Ali's Kitchen. And I mean, she was one of the first to do that in the proper authenticity and um, real style, you know, that, that should be afforded to donuts and should be afforded to that type of patisserie because it is a delicacy. And, you know, you'll watch some of the programmes from Turkey or some of the programmes from um, further afield even. And donuts are you know something that is very special if done properly it's a bit like the kind of innocuous coffee shops and i saw today that um thank god the council has ruled against another one on um on our on our main street patrick street and i hope that that is what's going to happen that there will be just a bit of tightening and a bit of you know well let's say three or four years ago i mean we'd have been thrilled with any business going into any vacant premises we all would even in core business association i mean it was it was a huge worry that vacancy and um, then of course dereliction would set in and the city started to lose its mojo but i think that there you know there's room for a lot of us but I don't think, Jonathan, there is really room for all those donut shops. And, you know, there's some of them are very good operators. And, you know, I personally know some of them. If they're making and baking themselves, great. But are they? I'm not sure. Uh, Neil Prentival was on his programme there a couple of weeks ago talking to somebody saying you'd be mad to open a restaurant. Why you would do it? Because it's going to be all of your time, yeah. all of your effort, all of your money, mm -hmm. and then you're going to get squeezed, and then the rent might go up, and then maybe you might have one or two bad reviews, and it's not the thing to do. Have people heated advice like that or do they still plunge straight into the restaurant because it's what they want to do well I think it's a bit like in life there's a couple of vocations you know there's um, okay priesthood nuns um, you were never tempted by no, either no 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 refused the first fence and then we have um, you know nursing is a huge vocation I think medicine is a huge vocation and it's getting back to that and I think that our business is really it's an awful lot of passion it's an awful lot of vocation and if we did it um, you know if we did the late nights the early mornings the burns you know, the roaring, the shouting, the hiring, the firing. If you really contemplate it, there is definitely an easier way. But after doing something like a really busy service or a very nice party, or if we open here at night, or if we have a rockin' Friday like we had last week, there's nothing more satisfying than getting in your car. You have a pain in your back, your legs hurt, your feet hurt, definitely all those things hurt at my age. But it is that buzz that you get from it. And talking to my own colleagues, and there's an awful lot of us in the city that are owner-operators, but to answer your question about is it, like it is almost prohibitive now with the stipulations and the whole process of from health and safety to fire regulations to human resources. Um, you know, it is very, very difficult. It's certainly nothing to be sneezed at. And I mean, one mistake, and you know, you might have a dream but the dream has to become reality and you've bills to pay, you've VAT, you've PRSI, you've PAYE. Uh, you know, I think to open Nash 19 now, I couldn't do it. Well, probably the regulations would be the, the biggest um, barrier, I think, to entry now for restaurateurs if they really peeled into the, the onion, that, you know, they would, they would see all the various levels that they would need help at, assistance at. Now, there's huge help. There's, um, like here in, here in Cork, the local enterprise board have been amazing to our business and to the food industry. And the restaurant business has gone very closely aligned to the food industry and where all the food producers are going. I mean, an awful lot of us produce within our own um, buildings. You know, we produce within our own kitchens. And Cork, 
like in Cork you're lucky enough to have three and four storey buildings that you can have facility to have kitchens on the next floor and a lot of those buildings have had kitchens there so that you can take those over but um, as far as the local political environment you know one huge stumbling block I think or huge um, disappointment has been the event centre I mean I don't want to even go on about it and I just hope to God it will happen because it is something that we some of us have kind of hung our hat out on, you know, and have stayed and stayed the test of time. But, for instance, Jonathan, two um, weekends ago, we had the fabulous Parky Cueve open and we had the flag hole. Anything that brings extra footfall to the city, we just have bumper days. We have days that make us smile. We have days like Christmas, you know, they're nearly out of control. It reminds you of sailing a yacht and, the, you know, and the spinnaker up and the wind getting up and you're just literally nearly out of control. I mean, that's what makes buzzy, buzzy restaurants. And that's food turning over, that's staff getting a buzz from their day. And, you know, that sort of guarantee that there is going to be footfall. Let's talk about, I suppose, the two the two biggies, rents, and let's talk about rates. Is there a tipping point, Claire? I mean, are you constantly waiting to find out what is the tipping point before you realise, good God, this isn't worth it? Well, you know, you have an onus to your staff to, to um, not be continually on that edge. You know, you have to drive it on, you have to be positive. Like, you have, well, we've 24 staff, so, you know, their, their salary and their livelihoods, and, you know, there's one of them there now going going for a mortgage for a house, you know, I have responsibilities, so I have to drive my business on. I mean, opening the gallery was another, um, you know, another addition. We have a shop that I opened um, a number of years ago. Selling your own. Yeah, selling selling our own produce. And, you know, the next thing will be that we we, we will be producing off-site in, in one of the enterprise centres that Mary Daly runs, and we'll be doing a bit of export. You know, you have to have your, um, like, probably what I'm saying is you just can't do the same old, same old, same old, same old, doesn't work, just doesn't wash yeah, in any business. Move or die. Any business yeah. yeah of all the years you've been here what's the dish you stood over most the one that you've always wanted to keep on the menu um there's probably well okay national has kind of all all sorts of sides we'll say there is to some people who are just a coffee shop and they come in every day and they just have a scone and my scone is amazing my scone is made from it's good buttermilk because i can buy it's made from butter you know, someone asked me the other day, could they have margarine and early fell down? Um, so that is a staple. It's like the croissant in France. Like, we've tried everything else. But they just want the scones. And then if you talk about the sandwich, the spiced beef and cheddar cheese, probably, sandwich would be our staple. And then when we move to the hot menu, any day of the week that you put on a grilled fish or a simple fish, and we're lucky enough to trade just out, you know, down the road from the English market. So we have access to incredible fish. You're still loving this. I mean, even just the second you st- stop talking about business, which is fairly turgid and always mm. will be, mm. you start talking about food, the little smile creeps in I know, to your voice. I know, and I mean, even there, like, we get excited about ridiculous things. Um, my veg supplier, Rosemary um, Martin from Waterfall Farms, and they have been doing this, Nigel, they, or Nigel, sorry, it was Nigel is their, is their son's name, but um, they have been doing this, like, for three generations, and they're not talking about it, they're just getting on with it, and he just said to me today before before I come down to Jonathan, that he says, Claire, I have the first of the um, zucchini flowers, which is the yellow courgette flowers, so I'm going to have to pure of courgette flowers on tomorrow you know and little things like that I mean their candy beets their um, you know all that edible lovely greens cavallo nero that would make you excited and I mean that would get you through the day or when someone comes in with some fabulous fish you know just as just as solid as fillet steak you know you just want to put that in your menu 
like we had that on today now um, the comments came down to me with just beautifully filleted fresh cod and I said let's put that on with sashimi as well now we also did tempura of cod fish and chips and then we'll couple that with something interesting you know like the longville cider batter is what we use we're always trying to include my friends or my colleagues yeah. um, my producers because I really firmly believe when you drop you know something into the middle of a pond it really goes far so I will try to use as many local suppliers you know I know them by name they deliver in here like Jane Murphy from Marcella and she's just developed a beautiful lash um, goat's cheese with her normal um, softer cheese and you know that is what keeps us interested that is what keeps me coming back how many weeks to go before the mince pie gets an appearance now Jonathan I know you love the mince pies and don't day. you worry I'll be making them now in September September yes okay. there'll That's be mince made in September but we, we won't be giving them to you too early about 1st of December you'll have to first you'll have to age them with the maturity <laughs> that it deserves yeah, yeah. Claire Nash uh, it's been a pleasure thank you for joining us thank you very much Still quite a long wait for my Nash 19 mince pie then. That is it from this week's Red Business. My thanks to all of my guests and to Nia Hennessy who helped put it all together. Don't forget to subscribe on iTunes. We'll catch you on the next one. The Red Business Podcast with CompuB. Apple technology and solutions for your business. CompuB.com.